Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Or at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go to Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Who gonna check me, boo? All right, welcome to another episode of Morally Corrupt, your Thursday edition. I'm Chelsea Stark Jones, joined by the one and only Jody Walker. Jody. How you doing? Chelsea, I mean, I'm good, but I'm also like, I we were discussing a little bit before we got on, pretty overwhelmed by everything I've just witnessed on Vanderpump Rules. Also, like I continue to be in sort of a state of uh, disarray following my natural disasters. In the last 24 hours at my home, my washing machine broke, water started pouring through my ceiling unexpectedly and for unexplained reasons. And the electricity went out in my neighborhood for like six hours. So I think it's safe to say that I've been cursed by the city of Fort Lauderdale and then took refuge in Vanderpump Rules, just like I explained last week. But this week (laughs) felt much less relaxing. No, it was not relaxing. I messaged the group chat after the episode and just said, I'm unwell. Like that really (laughs) took me for a trip. I was... I was not expecting all that we got. And it just like the episode built. It was just building. And then it all of a sudden at the end exploded. And I just felt like I had whiplash. I didn't know what was going on. I like the fights were very clear and evident, but it was just like so much animosity and deflecting. And then also taking to effect like what we know now and what is being said. It was just a journey. And it wasn't a journey that I think I was ready for. (laughs) It definitely wasn't a journey that I was ready for because yes, you did text the group chat last night and then everybody who I guess everybody was watching live as you should be. This is like a national event. (laughs) I was needing to watch something else for work. So I felt very behind. So I watched Vanderpump Rules this morning. I do want everyone to don't know everyone experiences television differently but just like take a second and imagine watching this shit in the morning like with your coffee i do think it gives me like a very 
strange start to the day. But yeah. everyone was saying, you guys were saying in the text, people were saying online, like the last 15 minutes of this episode were insane. And so I was expecting, and I mean, this did kind of come one of many, but like I was expecting some reveal around Sandoval and Raquel. I was not expecting for everyone to be in sort of like a damp house. I don't know how to explain that bar <laughs> that they were in, but it did seem, everything seemed a little bit damp and just like wandering around this bar, just pairing off to get in huge, outrageous fights. Like did not see Lala and Schwartz coming, did not see Sandoval and Katie coming. Although you're right, they've all been building. Like yeah. all the pieces were there. It was just so unexpected. I will say, so... They shot at two locations that I've been to this week on a pretty regular basis. One being that damp bar that you described, <laughs> Tower 12 in Hermosa Beach. I love that place. And then the other is where Katie or no, Allie and Sheena got drinks and like with the ski mm. ball and stuff like that. Like that's down the street from my apartment. And I just, I guess, came to the realization I need to get out more. Like, why was I not there for those filming opportunities? <laughs> I'm coming to the realization that like you could very easily end up in this cast if you play your know, cards right or wrong. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. But I was like, damn, like I need to get off the couch. Just need to get off the couch. Need to get out more. But yeah, I it was it was hectic. It was crazy. And I will say I enjoyed it. But I also just felt like at the end of it, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like I I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> I think we have both acknowledged to each other that we we legitimately feel very overwhelmed by this episode. And I think like I'm a little afraid that I'm not going to remember everything that happened because the pacing and the themes and the pairings were changing so quickly. And you have a similar uh, tremor of fear in your voice. So <laughs> I guess we could just apologize to the listener if we can't keep everything straight. But you know, it's that kind of season. And I'll yeah. say coming away from this episode, like all these crazy things happen, all these different fights and pair offs and chaos and damp bars. Satchel is there. Don't you ever forget it. But like my main takeaway was, what do these people know and when do they know it? And that's like, I think the overwhelming underlying thing about these episodes is we're watching them start to wonder about Raquel and Sandoval. But we also know that this is happening in August, September, and everyone and all of their Instagram stories seemed wildly shocked when the affair came out in March. So like what happened when? It's so hard to figure out. I agree. It's very strange because I mean, Katie and Lala were definitely sniffing it out and they seem to be very aware of some shadiness going on. And maybe they didn't have evidence that shadiness was going on, but like felt something was going on. So their reaction in March when it broke is a little bit surprising considering what we're seeing now, how tuned in and keyed in they are to all of this. I understand the shock. Actually, I don't like, I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the episode does start. It's the hangover from Lala's birthday. Everyone is kind of having a rough time except for Lala because she doesn't drink. And so she comes over to Katie's and... Katie's having the hair of the dog. I wonder what time this was too, because Lala was like already this early. So uh, <laughs> my stomach was churning, like watching her and Tito's and Celsius. I can barely drink a Celsius by itself. 
That's oh, I is love that Celsius. a normal drink? I know, I never but like that. I guess it's like Red Bull and soda, Red Bull and to- or vodka. That's true. Also, a pretty bold drink to be drinking in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> they start talking and recapping the night and talking about the little mistress thing with the Oliver and all that stuff. And then they also come to reflect on what Allie told them a couple nights before about you know seeing Rachel and Sandy at the Abbey. And how weird she thought that was. And then you kind of see like both of their wheels turning in that moment of like, yeah, that is a little off, isn't it? Like, what what's up with that type of a thing? And kind of just like sets into motion their suspicion throughout the episode. So that's going on in the background. And then we have a f- weird scene with Schwartz and Sandy. It's It really is like the Howie Mandel thing really shot Tom in the foot where it's like everything he said on that we're starting to see and feel like he's starting to manipulate that narrative on the show and it's really frustrating especially with Tom as his counterpoint because again at this point Tom said he knew about their one night stand in August and we're now in September so the scene of them or this moment of them at this food truck Tom Schwartz is fully aware that he hooked up that Sandoval hooked up with Raquel and so Schwartz is talking. And is doing this little like, I just have this feeling that she has a crush on someone else thing. The This scene infuriated me. Like these yeah. absolute weenies these just <laughs> slime balls it's like these are like night these are like 1990s ninja turtle words these are not even words that i use but like <laughs> that's all i can think of to explain them even just the way that they were acting with like the food truck people was like making my ears burn they were like they were like oh yeah man first time real excited to get into it it's like shut the fuck up you're not restaurant entrepreneur like oh they were just making me so mad Yeah, it was embarrassing. And it was frustrating for Schwartz to say, I think she has a crush on somebody else. And Sandoval, like, oh, you think so, dude? Like, yeah, asshole, it's you. And it's really fucking annoying that you guys are trying to like, pull this like wool over our eyes. And then Schwartz asks Sandoval about his relationship with Ariana. How are things with Ariana? Again, just feels very like set up and manipulative to to make Ariana look like some type of bad person or bad spouse. Short or Sandoval says, you know, she he feels that Ariana doesn't validate his feelings. And then he points to this example of which I thought Ariana was in the right here and was actually trying to look out for Sandoval of I'm when they were at their house for the pool party day or whatever. And Sandoval wanted to take an opportunity to grandstand and yell at Lala and Katie about the girls trip. He didn't want to talk to them about it. He was going to yell at them about it. And Ariana said, I'm not going to stand here while you yell at women. And if Tom had any fucking common sense, he would realize like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't be this guy yelling at women at my home. Like, that's not a good look. And I thought Ariana was right in calling him out for that. But he felt like that was her not validating him. Because he doesn't want to be held accountable for anything. He only wants to be validated. And like for him being told in a public space in front of his friends being called out for yelling at women is actually a worse thing than yelling at women. You know, it's like on all these shows when they're like, 
you have to be really careful calling someone a racist or calling someone a misogynist. It's like, no, you have to be really careful about not being a racist and not being misogynistic. Like it's such narcissistic behavior. And then, and of course, like the worst part, as you've pointed out, is that they're doing this on purpose. Like, I mean, I guess that's, you know, the least generous interpretation of it, but why would we be generous to either one of these people at this point is that they're, especially Sandoval, is laying the groundwork to be like, this isn't the right relationship for me. It's so strange though. And I don't know if it's always been like this. It feels so much more like this in this season and in recent episodes. The way that he talks about Ariana is not the way that you talk about someone you've been in a relationship with for nine years. It's not the way you talk about any partner. Like the way that he keeps saying Ariana asked me to fertilize her eggs, like he's some random sperm donor. He's her life partner. Like they're partners. And he is the one who originally said that he wanted to have children. So wouldn't that be a fairly obvious expectation that he would provide the sperm for these eggs? Yeah, that turned me off too, because when he, the way he said it was just like, dumbass, like you were the one that wanted to have kids this whole time. And here she is somewhat compromising or like making it an option, making it an option for you guys. And you're like, yeah, I, I hate him. (laughs) Strong words, but very true. And then, you know, Schwartz jumps in and says, you know, yeah, she is very quick to be dismissive of you, Sandoval. And that's a recipe for disaster in a relationship. And, you know, rich, just very rich coming from Schwartz. What are you talking? Look in the fucking mirror. You know, the editors have done a lot, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) We're we're so we're so heated. And also, I have to say, like, before we got on mic, I think our energy was kind of low. And now we're on and we're like, let's fuck these guys (laughs) freaking out. But oh, I was going to say that, like, everything's been fairly incredible this season. But I'd like the editors to get a little more fast and loose with montages of Tom Schwartz being an idiot and like, (laughs) <laughs> terrible to Katie over the this would have been such a perfect time to just roll the tape they already have the package made they roll it yeah. all the time just like roll the tape on him being the worst possible like partner and supporter and so dismissive of his wife uh and now he's saying Ariana is dismissive of Tom and I mean again I say like maybe she is but he deserves it maybe she is like maybe you guys have been in a relationship for nine years and it ebbs and flows like there's ups and downs like get over it man up just so annoying he also goes on to say that he feels like he puts in all this work into their relationship because he wakes up every morning and makes her a dumpling latte and she doesn't put in the same effort and you know so like, I, like I, I feel like Ariana brings so much to the relationship. We don't see it. Like, I just, I can't, I can't. And it's, it's very much just, and I wonder if my perception of the scene would have been different if I didn't see him on Howie Mandel and hear him like kind of spew out this like rhetoric of how horrible she was as a spouse. Like it just, it feels very obvious to me. Like this is a setup to make Ariana look bad. Yeah, I think that like, if this was happening in a vacuum, then we would not see it as a setup. I think I would still be annoyed. But Sandoval has so many tells when he's lying. His voice gets so high and you can see like all of his teeth all the time. It's like a lot of weird (laughs) 
mouth stuff. And so I think even if we didn't have all this context, I would still be like, what is happening in this scene? (laughs) But we do have all the context. And that's like, that's on them. You know, they thought that we wouldn't, I think, unless you want to get real conspiracy theory about what's going on with this Raquel and Sandoval affair. And if it was all made up for viewership or whatever, I don't personally think that, but you know, it's, I, the context is important and I can't tuck it away. And then he, he ends it in his confessional. He's like, it definitely, he's like, it hurts my feelings. And it definitely puts into question whether Ariana and I are right for each other. Yeah, That's not something that you say about someone that you've been dating for nine years that you intend to continue dating on national television. Like why, what is the reason? I mean, I definitely do think his whole motive was to break up with her and then date Raquel and make it seem like there was no overlap there. But he, I don't know, got too cocky, got too comfortable with the situation of having best of both worlds and forgot to break up with her unsure but i do think (laughs) that that's delicious i mean i love his own hubris taking him down like yeah i mean i was just so proud of himself i honestly do think that he thought he he was gonna break up with her and everything that he's saying in these confessionals everything that he's doing in these moments with tom are his breadcrumbs to validate him breaking up with her but the news came out too quickly that this affair had happened and he just got very cavalier with it. So I hate him. But later on in the episode, <laughs> I'm just going to jump ahead to the scene where he needs to hear his sperm results. What did he say? My, I'm here to collect my jizz. Or... <laughs> what did he say? Like, I'm here for the jizz results. Even so Schwartz gross. was like, dude, that's messed up. Don't say jizz to a grown woman just trying to do her job at the sperm factory. Like, yes. have some class, man. Yeah. He like, thinks he's no. so funny. Yeah, and cool. Like, no, dude, come I'm down. I'm so glad that woman didn't laugh. She was like, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> and so in this moment, we do learn, which... Is when I this I think this was a moment when I wanted to take my TV off of the wall and mm-hmm. throw it. Mm-hmm. We learned that Ariana's not with him for these results because she had to fly back to Florida because his her grandmother passed away. And I was so enraged with anger. And I knew I knew that her grandma passed away over the summer. Like I remember hearing about it, but I don't know. There was something about just now seeing it within this context and in the timeline of you were really fucking her best friend while her dog died. And then weeks later, her grandmother passed away and you, you just have some nerve and it, it really made me mad. And when they FaceTimed her at the end of the sperm appointment, they said, I love you dumpling. Like I was just, I was, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how people could be so cruel and mean and like deceptive. It's just so, I, I, I don't know. It, it really, it really made me angry. <laughs> I just couldn't. Yeah. I'm, those are, I think that I was not even thinking about like the depth of that deception in that moment. Cause I was just like, why is he not there? Why is he not with her at her grandmother's 
funeral and to be with her during this very difficult. What does he have to do? I'm sure those sperm results could be given over the phone and he sure as hell isn't opening up a restaurant. That has been made very clear. Like, what is he? Why is he not there? He doesn't even, I mean, maybe he explained it and we didn't see it, but like, why was he not there? Why was he at a beach day? You know what, Jody? That makes a lot of sense. That didn't even factor into my mind as to why he wasn't there. Yeah. It's all funny. The nastiest way to think about it is that like the reason he's not there is whatever excuse he made up, but it's like a perfect opportunity for him to get more time with Raquel when when she's not, when Ariana's not there. Yeah. And it's also, so I don't know which podcast I heard this from or where, whatever, but (laughs) I'm going to start like making you take a shot every time you can't remember which (laughs) Vanderpump Rules podcast you heard Vanderpump Rules gossip on. (laughs) Brittany and Jax did say that the day that Ariana's grandmother passed away, the day that she got the call, they were at a pool party that Sheena had invited them to in San Diego or in Orange County, somewhere like that. And Sandoval was there as well as Raquel. And when Ariana called and told Tom that her grandma passed away, he did not leave to go be with her. He stayed at the pool party with Raquel and he claimed the only reason why he couldn't leave was because there were no Ubers, which... I don't know if anyone here, like Southern Californians know that there are Ubers pretty much everywhere. It is not, it's not hard for us to get an Uber. If you're in Orange County, San Diego, Los Angeles, you could get yourself a goddamn Uber and get on a bird scooter. My guy, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So it, it was, it's just, he, it, God, it's really disgusting. It's really dark especially now like watching it through this lens of everything that we know now. And it's so hard not to watch it through this lens. Like I'm trying to be like, how would I feel about that? Like, how would I feel about Raquel? Everyone's saying Raquel handled the Oliver thing so well last week. And I'm like, but she was still sleeping with Sandoval when she was doing all that stuff. So I'm like, <laughs> I feel it's like hard that for Real me. Housewives of Atlanta give. Who said that? Who said that? I didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't handle it well. It just, it blows my mind. So she handled it crazy. She goes up to Lala and she's like, now I understand how easily it is to be misled by a man. And she's sleeping with her best friend's husband or common law husband while her best friend is her grandmother's funeral. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hard. There's no way you could watch it without the lens of everything we know now. It's really, it's really difficult. But we move forward and Allie decides to go to Sheena per James's, I guess, advice to tell Sheena, you know, I brought this news that I saw our, our Raquel and Tom at the Abbey together. I told Lala and Katie, they seem to think it's a little bit weird. So she goes to tell Sheena that she feels this way. And this is at the ski ball bar. It looked really cute. It was a nice summer day. It looked day. cute. And I liked that Sheena was like, oh, I love this place. And, and I just liked knowing that it was Allie's recommendation because I really love Allie now. Uh, I like that <laughs> she's like the young new generation of Vanderpump Rules. She knows places in LA that these elders do not know. And she got a new confessional outfit. And that's a huge win for all of us. And I just yeah. love her. 
She did look really cute in her confessional. That bar is off of like La Brea and Wilshire for any Angelinos that are curious. It's like a brewery, but they also serve cocktails and they have great tacos. Highly recommend. But yeah, so Allie tells Sheena all of this. She tells her that she saw them at the Abbey and, you know, she saw them dancing on the dance floor. She thought it was a little bit strange. Actually, no. The way Allie said it to Sheena, to me, was a little bit misleading as to how she was describing how she saw it to us as viewers. Because when she tells us about it, she was saying, yeah, I thought it was weird. Like, I wouldn't want my boyfriend out at 1 a.m. with without me with like whatever. And I was a little bit suspicious of it. But then when she brings it to to Sheena, she makes it sound like, well, Lala and Katie, like they're talking badly about Raquel. And so they're making me think that it might be, you know, something worse than what it is. Like, I kind of didn't like how she kind of played both sides in this. I thought she did that a little bit. Now I am a noted as of two minutes ago, Ali apologist, <laughs> but I, I thought she did that just a little bit because she was kind of treading lightly into the conversation. But I thought the larger issue was that Sheena basically took everything that Ali said and then kind of ran it through a translator of like her own dislike of Katie, Katie and yeah. those girls, especially Katie. And I mean, because Al, and I also thought at points, Allie was trying to keep Sheena on track. You know, like the moment that Allie delivers the information that when she told Katie about it, it didn't sound like Katie had an original big reaction to it. She was kind of like, oh, that's weird. But I know that they have sort of like a no rules sort of thing. That's what Allie says, quote, unquote, no rules. Yep. Sheena is like, how dare Katie say that they have an open relationship? It's like, well, it doesn't sound like through the eight layers of people we're hearing this through that that is what Katie said, but go off, I guess. And then I thought to Allie's credit, she like very much was like, okay, but let's get back to the thing where Raquel and Sandoval were dancing together by themselves at 1 a.m. Would you want Brock to be doing that with Raquel? And then things get real tinfoil hat. <laughs> Her response was so chilling. And I can only imagine that Sheena's skin had to be crawling when she watched this episode. There's no way she looks at that. She has to be cringing so hard. Her saying that she would trust Raquel in a bed with Brock, that Brock and Sandoval are like brothers to Raquel. I... I... I, I I don't know. Like, and, and I get like how close and, and at this time, like so protective of Raquel that they all were because of like the whole Katie girls trip mean girl thing. But like to not even have like one moment of like, let me check in here. Let me ask about this in like a genuine way. Like, let me like no red flags were raised whatsoever. There was no concern for this. It's so innocent. And I just, it, I, I, I felt secondhand embarrassment for Sheena. <laughs> I, I, I did feel secondhand embarrassment because it's like, oh my gosh, you were going so hard for someone who was lying so to you hard. so much. But I was also kind of then like retroactively like, yeah, Sheena should have thrown hands when she allegedly <laughs> did. Like that that adds up. Chelsea, is the is the stuff of is the stuff about Raquel and Brock true? 
She knows it's I watched rumored. What Happens Live, I think, last week. And Andy did ask her about it. And she said no. And she did say that she did ask Brock about it. And that Brock said that it didn't happen. And that she... He... That she never put those vibes out there towards him or something. I don't believe I don't believe that's true. Cause it really like when I first saw the rumor, I feel like I saw it from one fringe account and it just caught fire. So <laughs> I, I don't okay, believe that. Okay, but did that you not find it a, I, I assumed that Raquel I mean, excuse me, that Sheena said the thing about I I would let Raquel sleep in a bed with Brock because they'd slept in a bed together before. And I mean, I get, you know, like I have extremely platonic relationships with, you know, lots of like, like lots of my friends are married. I get what Sheena is saying. It was just so specific. It's not where my mind would jump to give an example of something. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, possibly. I mean, maybe they've slept in all like in close quarters before. It's not something I would say, nor is it something that I would feel comfortable with, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of how much I trust either partner or friend. So you're not like, going to just offer it up as an option, like, hey, you guys want to do a tradesies tonight? No, <laughs> like, I'm not going to test those boundaries. I'm just, I'm not that risky. Boundaries, <laughs> interesting word. Raquel's never heard of them. Yeah, she had to be explained by Tom about what boundaries were. So yeah, so Sheena's like writing hardcore for Raquel and, you know, is very, very much saying like, there's no way that this is true. And in her confessional, she's saying like, Katie and Lala just want Raquel to be that girl. Like they want Raquel to be the girl that is after everyone's man. And that is the furthest thing from the truth and yada, yada, yada. And it's just, it, it really, it does blow my mind. Like this was really happening under their noses and had they just taken their bias out of it from Katie and Lala and just maybe listened maybe this could have only been a two-month affair and not a seven-month affair (laughs) it's haunting it's haunting to revisit I don't know though my assumption is that this dirt is getting kicked up right now and then Sandoval and Raquel are going to realize that they're being entirely too blatant. And then it's going to go like back under the radar. And so it got kicked up, but then, and then that's why it was maybe even more shocking by the time it was actually outed in March. Cause it's like what we talked about this and then we let it go because, because you insisted over and over at the highest pitch possible Sandoval that this was not true and then it was truer than they ever could have imagined. It was not just dancing. It was not just a little grind at the Abbey. Oh, no, not just a grind. But Sheena does tell Allie that she's going to relay this information to to Tom <laughs> at the beach day. So it's just, you know, it's building. It's building. It's getting hotter and hotter. You got to hand it to Sheena. She's not just like, I'm going to relay this information. She's like, I am going to sprint at the fastest possible (laughs) speed I have ever reached to tell Tom this information. And I am going to make it explosive. I'm not going to repeat what you said. I'm going to repeat what I heard. And like, I, I, and, I and what I want appreci- to believe. <laughs> I did at least appreciate that she was like, uh, so listen up, new kid. I'm about to ruin your life. <laughs> um, and so here we are at James's Beach Day. I think they're in Hermosa Beach. Um, 
having a, a good time. James says, you know, I'm going to invite everyone. I thought this was sweet because he's like, you know, I know what it's like to be the person that's not invited to things. I was like, oh, James, just just so sweet. You are you <laughs> cute little Brit. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm having a, I am that, that contributed to my chaos is that like, I am having a roller coaster of emotions with James who I have pretty much always despised, like can hardly stand to hear him talk. But I will admit that in this episode, he was being very funny. And I think like the James I like the least is drunk James. So if he can just stay not obviously he was also being outlandish but that's like I like wrote that in my notes he's always so close to being sweet like he says that thing because I he's a very emotional person you know like I think he really does feel things deeply but then that like toxic masculinity just like withers its way in to ruin whatever actual feeling he's had he has and makes him have to like pound his chest and like yeah he said I'm gonna invite everyone because I've been the uninvited person and it doesn't feel good and then in his confessional he's like it's better it's it's less bad to have Raquel there than to have to listen to everyone say, where's Raquel? Why isn't Raquel <laughs> invited? And I also relate to that. I also usually just do the easier thing. But, you know, I don't think it was all out of the goodness of his British heart. Probably not. But I also thought that, you know, that's a good point. Like everyone would have been coming up to him and he'd have to explain it. It'd be really annoying and it probably would annoy Allie and it would just be like a whole thing. So why not just have her there? Pretend yeah, and everything turned out great. So, like, really good yeah. prediction. <laughs> strong the best speech day strong, ever. <laughs> strong thoughts by James, per usual. Uh, <laughs> so they're all setting up, and then Katie and Lala bring their guys, the Dom, Dom, the Dom, and the Don. Satchel, the Don, <laughs> and Satchel, and Jody. You, uh, you go to the beach, I think pretty often you seem like a, a pretty frequent beach goer what is your policy with socks and sneakers on the beach i think that if the don had to be put through all of this he <laughs> homeboy can wear whatever combat boots to the beach he wants to like he i highly urge everyone to go back and rewatch this scene and just watch don lala's plus one he is disassociating so hard i could not believe he went to that second bar with them like he looks I can't even say he looks stressed out. He looks like he's turned his brain off to just like, because he cannot even take on what's going on. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm I uh, I'm going to take another. I don't agree with the socks on the beach and the shoes. It was unnerving. Like it was absolutely uh, unnerving. Yeah, they, they both showed up with sneakers and socks. And then Satchel when they're sitting on too. the beach. Yeah, but when they're sitting on the beach, Satchel took his socks and shoes off. But the Don kept his socks on, which okay. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I think I didn't notice. I, I mean, I always assume that Satchel is wearing like a penny loafer or like some hipster <laughs> equivalent. But they I might didn't have been notice. Vans. <laughs> they probably were Vans. Um, I didn't notice them approaching in a closed-toed shoe, but I did notice when Don was only wearing socks, which is... <laughs> Oh, he must so really weird. not like the feeling of sand. 
it must must not but i do agree like he looked very uncomfortable and i was listening i was listening to lala's podcast and she was talking about how you don't have to take a drink you remembered which one (laughs) she she was saying how she didn't invite him to or she did invite him to her birthday but she told him to show up after cameras were down because she didn't want him to be like scared away by the chaos of her friends. So she thought by inviting him to the beach day, it would be a nice chill beach day. And boy, was she wrong. And you oh, are boy. correct. The Don was confused and not sure what the hell he got himself into with this because it took a hard left seemingly quickly after a nice game of toss which no one was able to catch the football (laughs) i was like what are you even gonna call this it was just toss and oh man i love seeing how unathletic tom schwartz was that was a real treat for me i mean and you could assume that like that's no surprise yeah yeah (laughs) i didn't think he'd like turn his back to the ball he was getting hit in places on his body i was like how are you even making those available yeah awful so they're chilling after whatever activity they were just trying to attempt. And James starts to bring up the the DJing event that he's like super excited for. It's in Atlanta. He's opening for Cascade and he's, you know, he's flying in and blah, 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 like super, super thrilled. And Schwartz makes this comment. James says, you know, it's a really big deal. Tom then says, oh, well, is it a bigger deal than Rochella? Which is a weird jab. Why no one's asking for this? Why say this? And it's just like, Tom, you're really going to be the the pot stir here. Like this is what, this is where you want to be today. I don't, I don't get it. He's being messy. He's being messy. I don't even know if it was like that intentionally messy as much as that is Schwartz's personality. Is he's so flippant? He's so disingenuous. Like he can't really engage with a real thing and. James, to all of his like scatterbrained, absolute chaos, you know, ways about him, I thought it was, you know, like we're saying, like it was pretty earnest and pretty sweet the way he was openly relaying that this is a really big deal. You know, like I can't always be that earnest to like admit that something means a lot to me and I've been working my whole life for this, especially if it's opening for Cascade at a DJ set. I think that's a little hard to admit that that is like, you know, but but to James, it is the biggest deal. Like it is everything. And Cascade is a big DJ. I do recognize that. Like it is a big deal in in his line of world. Yeah. In his world. And the way it almost was like more like nasty to me the way that Tom was being like yeah man that's so awesome that's so awesome yeah is it is it bigger than Marcella like the way that it was so flippant because that's just yeah. it's how he always is yeah and I don't even necessarily think that he was upset about the Rachella part of it or like the engagement part of Rachella. like I think to your point he was upset that you're belittling this moment that I'm super proud of and happy Mm -hmm. about and you're throwing it in my face and and also comparing it to something that was a big deal in my life but ultimately ended in failure and it's just not cool and so I totally understood James's reaction to this and you know I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I really appreciated him throwing that drink in his face (laughs) One, it was a really great drink toss. It hit just him. 
nobody else. Yeah. All on the face. It was probably the best Bravo drink toss that I have seen. And it was quick and it, it and he had his glasses on. So it was even funny to like see after the fact he had to like clean his glasses off it was great it was great i'm okay with it i stand by the drink toss i i i will i will take one for the team i like it i i'm proud of him it's making this extremely perfect breakdown of the drink toss is making me realize that james is like really so much more cut out to be a housewife, like to be on a housewife show than he is to be on Vanderpump Rules. Like he would absolutely thrive throwing a drink in Ramona's face. Although now that I've said that out loud, Ramona and James in a room together is my absolute like sleep paralysis worst nightmare. I'm I sorry I said it, like it five and I take it back. I take it yeah. back. I was good with it. Allie was not okay with the drink toss. Everyone was shocked by it. I probably would have been shocked at the moment, but I, I stand by James and his decision to throw a drink. I don't think there was anything wrong with it. And then Schwartz trying to get it like all big about it and saying like, if you do that again, dude, I'm going to put you in a headlock. What really, Schwartz? What a threat. Because I was, <laughs> he kind of ramps up to it a bit. He's like, don't you ever do that to me again, man. You don't want to ever do that to me again. And in my head, I was thinking, what are you going to do, Schwartz? What are you going to do? And then, and then he offers it up. I'm going to put you in a headlock. Again, I say weenie. Such a weenie. Such a weenie. Now, James does go zero to 100 always. But like, you know, James has every right to be mad. And a lot of the stuff he was saying did make me laugh. But he also can't say, what are you going to do, fat boy? Like, he cannot say stuff like that because I can't control my reaction to it. That's why. It's so funny. No, you can't do it. I know. I know. Oh, he's so hard to love. I love (laughs) James Kennedy. (laughs) You were just like possessed by Allie. I really So hard to love. Why do you do this to yourself? So funny. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get his appeal. I, I love James. He's hilarious. I understand some of the things he says is wrong. But if being wrong, like, then I don't want to be oh. right, you know? Can I quote my favorite thing that he said? Yeah, please. <laughs> About shorts. He said, oh, this guy who still hasn't opened up a shithole or who still hasn't opened up his shithole bar in the middle of Silver Lake in fucking poop hole village, by the way. <laughs> when he said poop hole village, I bet there are layers to that joke I don't even understand, but it really made me laugh. <laughs> oh my God, there is. Uh, I mean, yeah, his their bar is in like a little armpit of an area. And then on top of that, when he also went in on Schwartz for like proposing to Katie on Sunset Boulevard at Rock and Riley's, which it wasn't even Rock and Riley's. It was Pearl's Rooftop Bar, which is no longer an establishment. It was so funny. <laughs> well, he's so he is so fast witted because I guarantee you he said Rock and Riley's or whatever that is, not because it's where it happened, which I'm sure he knew, but because it is a stronger reference point for anyone who actually knows what that is. Like that's the yeah. thing is like his tongue is so sharp. He says everything that he thinks of and the stuff that he thinks of is outrageous and so demeaning. But then he'll also cut it with something like he says when James, I mean, Tom does at least at first immediately start to apologize, although he doesn't, you know, he never really means it. He's like, that was a low blow, man. I'm sorry. Like that was 
I, yeah, it was just a stupid joke. I don't know why I said it. And James, after he's thrown the drink and then he storms away and then he storms back, he says, you hurt my feelings every fucking time I see you. It's like, well, that makes me want to cry a little bit. <laughs> it was no, such an emotional was, roller coaster, and we're not even to the damp bar yet. It's just no. it was chaos from this moment on. It was chaos from this moment on. <laughs> I mean, the previews didn't even do it justice. That was an amazing, amazing moment. But moving on to the damp bar, Katie and Lala say we don't have time for this. Let's go to a bar, and they decide to go to Tower Twelve, and they set up themselves and they you know just text christina kelly hey girl why don't you come over to this bar with us christina's like bet and brings everybody else with her (laughs) they were like i we just invited you and now the whole chaos of which we were trying to get away from is now at our front door at this as jody describes damp bar no i do (laughs) want to say i thought that bar looked cool i like how it looked like a house and there were like all these different vignettes of tables to sit at like banquet bar you know like it it was just such a different vibe and it did seem damp they seemed damp tom was like wearing a backpack the whole time it was just <laughs> such a weird vibe and ta- and it was like the vibes were rancid and lala, lala even says that at some point she was like what's going on like everyone yeah. is just i mean it's kind of like us on this podcast at least earlier when we were talking about <laughs> oh, yeah. sandoval it's what's just like on? why is everyone so righteously angry at one another <laughs> oh it's crazy i do like that bar it's actually really fun on weekends i wonder what day they went because it didn't look too crowded and it's typically pretty crowded but anywho so It was extremely awkward when everyone shows up. And then for some reason, Tom is sitting like far away from Katie, but right across from her. And he just starts waving at her. Hi, Katie. Hi. And Katie's just like, hi. Like, what? It's like, oh, you don't want to say hi to me? And like, it's like, I I said hi to you earlier. And then he turns to Sandoval and says, I'm so fucking glad I'm divorcing her. I can't stand her. Blah, blah, blah. I'm so fucking glad. And it reminded me of like, guys that would come up to you in the club and be like oh my god you're so beautiful let me take you out let me dance with you let me buy you a drink and you'd say no and then the guy would be like fuck you you're not even that cute anyways and then yeah, you're an ugly bitch and i hate you <laughs> like, that is such like a good example so i was like this like just tiny little man just like antagonist and he does that to katie all the time I recognize mm-hmm. that Katie is a real downer and like not always, but the way that he forces her to into corners to do that comes and sit when knowing that she's furious at him comes and sits down with her at a table and eats her sushi waves at her from across a bar where she has not invited him, where he has gone, where she has gone for respite with her boyfriend satchel and his giant pair of shoes that he wore to the beach like (laughs) he sets her up and then is like oh why is she like this to me because like you're like that to her they're a terrible pairing also she's divorcing you yes yes and then tom and lala end up getting into it lala still has some feelings about tom hanging out with randall for which he never apologized for we'll keep that noted he doesn't seem any issue, see any issue with it. She doesn't like yeah. how he kissed Raquel and how it made Katie feel. That's her girl. 
And she goes in on him. And this was also very entertaining and not something that I was expecting. She, she, he calls her, um, corny, I think. And yeah, he calls her corny, which is like, you're, oh, you're corny. corny one. <laughs> I thought yeah, you corny. said horny. No, yeah, no, no, corny. corny. What? She That's is horny not... too. She is horny. She's horny. <laughs> But that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He calls her corny. He makes fun of her business. He says all this stuff to her and she just goes in and lets him have it. And she, she really also just describes him to a T when she's in her confessionals and like saying how he's this puppy boy with his hands in his mouth. And it's like, Oh no, 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 whatever. And you know, she goes after him. He's sitting at a table. He calls her a broken housewife with inflated lips. And she just says, <laughs> she says, the shit I've been through in this year would put you in a grave. She calls him broke and desperate. And she says that, because I guess he made fun of her business. And she said, how dare you fucking make fun of my business? That pays for my daughter, you asshole. And then she walks away. And I was like, let him have it. I was so satisfied with that. And then he, then he oh, as he's eating a chicken wing, oh, Lala, I'm sorry. You're a great mom. Like, get Jesse, out of here. He literally stuffs a chicken wing in his mouth, <laughs> just like she has predicted. She's like, I don't buy this little puppy act. Like, I have my fingers in my mouth. That's such a specific and weird thing to say. And she's so right. Like, he's always acting so mumble mouthed. And I think he he generally is acting that way. But when he goes in on Lala, like, that's Tom. Like, that's the real Tom. That's what he's hiding every time he stuffs a chicken wing in his mouth is like, his like he seems disgusted by her as a woman really like in the way that he's making fun of her is so pointed and you know I mean there are like Lala's not perfect but like I think most people can kind of hold two truths at once with her and have some empathy for what she has been through and he just so clearly does not and when she for a minute, she's like stunned into silence. And then she follows him over to his chicken wing table and gives that monologue that you just quoted. Lala's been a little on her preaching game this season in a way that's like been a little much. She's been given a lot of TED Talks, talking, re really defining what a mistress is a lot. And it's kind of like, okay, Lala, you're on Vanderpump Rules. Like, let's, we don't have to be so high and mighty all the time. But when she gets that finger going and says, the things I have been through in the last year would put you in a fucking grave. It's like, go get this woman on the succession writing team. Like, what is she, the things she says are crazy. Yeah, no, it was so good. <laughs> and, it was good, it was though, good. Yeah, like Tom, his attacks are low-hanging fruit. Like going after her looks, calling her court, like those are low hanging fruit. Like she was going after the jugular, like saying that he is not good enough to open up this bar, saying that he is weak. Like she will go like she she will go there. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate her preachiness. I don't know. I'm a Lala fan. Give me Lala. Give it to me. Like, give it to I me. I recently <laughs> realized that I have a give me Lala bronzer that I got in one of my Ipsy bags. They gave me Lala Ooh. and it's good and I like it. Oh, love that for her. Love that for you. Love that for you too. <laughs> but yeah, like Tom, it, it's the misogyny of it all because instead of going after James, who actually threw a drink in his face, he chose to go after mm -hmm. Lala. 
mm-hmm. why? Because you think you could win that battle because she's a woman? Like, what is that? And it was really just disgusting, annoying. And, and to your point, it shows the true Tom Schwartz. Like, this is who he is. He's not very nice to women. His wife, for one, and Lala for another. And then, you know, out of nowhere, Rachel confronts Katie again. I think at this point, this is when Lala says, what is in the air? This is pure chaos. And Rachel confronts Katie about calling her a whore, which why are you surprised by that? You kissed her ex-husband when she asked you not to. What else was she going to call you? And to that point, Katie says, you know, I was very clear about not wanting you to hook up with him. And I thought that you would prove it to me. And then out of nowhere, Tom decides, this Sandoval decides, this is the perfect opportunity for him to join this conversation that has nothing to do with him. And he interjects for no reason and says, oh, so she has to prove things to you. Everyone has to prove things to you, Katie. You're just this, this, and the other. All the while, Satchel is sitting there like with his new found interest in Katie And is just hearing Sandoval just rip her apart, saying all these things that are half-truths about Katie not being, like, what did he say? He said, Schwartz would talk about your brain. Like, why are we talking about their divorce? One in front of her new boyfriend. Why are we doing that? Shorts would talk about your breakup like it happened and I'm so sad. And then you would talk about it like, yeah, I left and had no choice. Yeah, she did leave with no choice because she tried to go to therapy with him. She tried to fix things with him and he wouldn't fucking change. So she had no choice. What else do you want her to do? I hate him so much. And he, of course, brings up the Abbey and brings up, again, tries to to deflect away from... Actually, I'm not even sure why he brought up the Abbey in this situation because no one was talking about it. And then he wants to bring it up to try to prove some point that he did not do anything wrong and that Ariana is so upset with you for for insinuating any of this. It was a mess. It was a mess. That's why he brought it up because he wanted to tell Katie that Ariana is mad at her, that she has done something wrong to Ariana. The physical orchestration of this final scene was hilarious because like they're in that big like U-shaped booth and Raquel starts asking Katie why she called her a whore and the camera is like on Katie and Satchel as Katie is trying to figure out what to say and it is like a literal jump scare. Sandoval comes out of nowhere and you just don't realize that the whole time he's been sitting right right beside Satchel and he is looking more and more like a ventriloquist dummy by the day. Like there is something about him that is becoming, I guess it's the mustache, but like he has like a and waxy weathered hue skin. Yeah, to the, him. It's very weathered skin. That I guess I was willing to ignore when he wasn't my worst enemy. And now <laughs> I'm not. And it's just like, and I also think I'm doing some subconscious thing where I sort of like avert my eyes. I, I do. I probably start looking at my phone when he comes on screen because like, I don't want to experience him. It is like a protective mechanism deep inside of me. But when he jutted his little body into frame next to Satchel, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Uh, and then just start spewing yeah it it just saying that ariana is mad at katie because katie said they're in an open relationship which she didn't which katie say did not say 
And also Tom seems to be under the impression that they are in an open relationship. And that's the, that's the story he should have latched onto. Like that's what he should have started trying to sell to the audience and to Ariana. If it's at all true is like that this was open and this was an option and there are no rules. But instead, he's yeah. trying to make himself like a doting boyfriend, a wonderful best friend, the most talented ventriloquist dummy in all the land of LA. And it's not working. It's not working. And this point in the episode, when Tom's in his interview chair <sighs> and a producer asks him, has there ever been anything physical between you and Raquel? And Tom has this sleazy, telling grin on his face and says, no, like it's nothing like it, it'd be like uh, me and Katie. Like, what are you saying? Like, you're lying to us. And it's very obvious that you're lying. And at this point, I kind of wish I didn't know about Sandoval, Scandoval, because then I would like look at this and be like, oh, there's something a little bit suspicious about his answer here. But it it's so like, he he couldn't control himself like he couldn't like he was like he was thinking about his intimate moments with her in that moment. Like it was so disgusting. To quote James Kennedy and the entire morally corrupt gang for the last month and a half, Scandoval's a liar, Scandoval's a liar. (laughs) That was like, it really was just like replaying through my head over and over during this scene because it was like, just like, and then also that old vine of that guy was like, why you always lying? Why you such a, it's just like, why are you are lying so hard? And how could you not think that you're going to get caught? You're on camera. You're on a show that's on camera. It's, it's, it's beyond. It was really, what an episode. Was, what an episode. And you know what, Jerry? Next week looks even crazier. I, I, I was not expecting that preview to leave me speechless. We have not Ken. Ken Todd with the T. I could not believe they carted Ken out to deliver oh, yes. this information. Yes. And you know, for sure, they said, Ken, just walk in there and, and bring this up, please. <laughs> like, and he said, OK, I'll do exactly that. I will not do anything more or less than that. I will wobble into this room and I will say, what's with Raquel sleeping over at Tom Sandoval's house when Ariana's not there? <laughs> I will wobble myself right out of the room. That is exactly what it looks like happened. I am shook by that. Yeah, I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words. The season is really crazy. And as we noted at the beginning of the episode, how were they surprised when this came out? Because it is seeming more and more obvious that something nefarious is happening. And they just chose to think otherwise. Unsure, can't decide. Really quickly, let's just... I guess kind of go into Summer House. Not too much happened, but I will say I did start to feel like I had a clearer understanding of Danielle's POV with her issues with Lindsay. I'd love to hear it. I do stand very firm though in that for some reason reason she's not able to articulate that to Lindsay and she's able to have that conversation with everyone else on a clearer note. And I, I say that being that when she's talking to Carl, 
she tells Carl that I have no issue with your guys' relationship. I'm happy for you. I just want her to be a better friend to me. Like, I just feel like she's not checking in on me and whatnot. And so I get that. I understand that. But then I also feel like she really needs to be needed. She has to be that friend that that you have to rely on. And I feel like Lindsay's used to her being that friend. So I could see why now it's like, oh, now you now you're the friend that needs that needs to be neat. Like, so I get the confusion. And yeah, I just think that she really messed up here in two ways, telling everyone that she's not happy for Carl and Lindsay and that she thinks they're moving too fast and whatnot. I think that's how you started it. So obviously Lindsay's going to be immediately defensive about the relationship. And then the other thing is that every time she brings it up with Lindsay, she says, you're not being a good friend to me because you're in a relationship with Carl. So like blaming her relationship with Carl as to why she's not being a good friend is again, going to make her defensive. And when she's talking to Carl about it, she's not saying it's because of your relationship. She's saying she's just, you know, she's just not being as present of a friend to me. And so I think that's where this, like these lines of communications are getting crossed. However, I'm still like firmly on Lindsay's side in this. I know it's so complex because you're like watching the lines of communication deteriorate. And I I almost wrote this in the group chat last night. And then I was like, no, that's too personal. But here I'll say it on a public platform instead. Like I deeply relate to Danielle and identifying as someone who never needs help and who never needs support. And you train the people in your life to understand that and to assume that you never need help and you never need support. So then when you actually do and you get your feelings hurt because they don't intuit it, it's not your fault, but it's a little your fault. And like, I think that that is what's happening here. To be fair, she has now communicated clearly with Lindsay that she does need support right now. I think she's not communicating what she needs support about. She's like, I need Lindsay to be a good friend to me, but she's, unless she said it behind closed doors, seemingly unwilling to say that that's because her relationship is kind of in crisis. And I think she feels very unmoored, but she's trying to make two things true at once, which are that she, that this, her needing Lindsay to be a better friend has nothing to do with Carl and Lindsay's relationship and also wanting people to understand that she doesn't support Lindsay and Carl's relationship and also telling Lindsay and Carl that she totally supports the relationship and it has nothing to do with this. I think she's genuinely confused about how she feels. Yeah. And I, and I just think the outlets in which she's expressing that confusion to Paige, to Amanda, to Sierra is not going to bode well for her because those are just obviously people that don't really want to see Lindsay happy. And I don't know, it was, it was, I also just felt like there was a moment in the episode where Danielle was saying something like in all of Lindsay's relationships, like she always needed me. Like I, Mm -hmm. she needed me to come like to talk to and stuff. And now she doesn't need me. And like, it made me feel that she like wanted Lindsay to be in like a less happy, less stable relationship just so that she could feel needed by her. And, and yeah, to your point, like, what is it that she wants her to do as far as being a better friend? Do you need her to call you more? Do you want her to text you more? Cause Lindsay said like, 
to uh, Danielle's point of like, we don't hang out anymore. And Lindsay's response was, because you're always in Montauk with Robert. Because like, you're not of in your the city. Relationship. Yeah. And, and she's like, I'm not holding that against you. She's, oh, so now I have to be physically. It's like, you literally said we don't hang out anymore. And she responded to that. So I, I, I'm starting to see a little bit more clearly what she's upset about. But I just think the way in which she expressed it all summer has put them in a really weird place where it seems like they're not able to come back from. I think they are filming the reunion today. So we shall see. But yeah. I think that I found it rather eye-opening in the way that she's not able to communicate with clearly with Lindsay the way that she can with everyone else. Because I think Lindsay... It was funny hearing Danielle and Carl say over and over that they had such a great conversation. Like, it's so weird that once Lindsay comes back in the mix, things get so hard because they had such a great conversation. Their conversation was a bunch of bullshit. I mean, it was fine, but they didn't say anything. All that was said was Danielle said, I don't want you to think that I don't support your relationship because that's not the case. And Carl was like, awesome. That is exactly what I needed to hear. And we've seen the exact same thing happen with Kyle. And that is because Danielle and Carl are two people who do not want to be fighting. Some people have an extremely high tolerance for conflict and some people do not. Lindsay Hubbard has... She's all conflict. Like she it has much less conflict with Carl than she's we've ever seen her have in general. But like her tolerance to invite conflict into her life and to sit with it is so high. Whereas when Carl gets into a tough conversation, he wants to be able to smooth it out so that it's done or he needs to be able to get away from it. Danielle can't communicate when she's in conflict. And it, which I, you know, I like, I think that these are all deeply human and relatable things. But the reason it gets hard when Lindsay comes in is because Lindsay is not willing to accept the statement. I support your relationship. And that's not what this is about, because the evidence is to the contrary. She yeah, they're the weird thing is like they're 10 months into this relationship. It's not new. So like, where's Danielle been? How does she still feel so weird about it? Yeah. Like, and then, like, even the next morning when Lindsay and Carl got into that drunk fight, I've been there. I've had that fight. Yeah. Like, one of you is sober, one of you is drunk. And it's obviously not going anywhere, but the drunk one wants to keep it going. Like, I've I've been there. And And the next morning, you're not going to ruin everyone's lives. Yes. I was like, why does she, like, what did she say? She said, um, she's upset that Carl and Lindsay aren't fighting. And I'm like, they're both in the kitchen with everyone else. Like, would you want them to pick the fight in front of everybody? Like, what are you talking about? Like, she's, I, so, just, she's like, Oh, we're just going to pretend like this didn't happen. Cause they're just like enjoying some orange juice and not glaring at each other. Yeah. And she says, I think like the really, like, I, I do, I do understand a lot of where she's coming from, but a really damning statement is I want them to fight because I want them to work. Not everybody's relationships work like that. Yeah, not everyone's does. And it doesn't, I don't know. I just, I, I'm genuinely so 
disappointed in Danielle. Like I trusted her so much more than, <laughs> oh, no. than what she's delivering this season. Oh, and no. I trust uh, this you. is just not, uh, yeah, this is not, this is not the Danielle that I think I really enjoyed the last several seasons of summer house. However, guys, Rachel and Callie seem to have totally different opinions about this than we do. We brought this up in our Bravo chat and they are totally opposite here. So we might have to do some, some rehashing. Oh, I think they uh, kind of agreed on Danielle, didn't they? Kind of. I feel like Callie the, the, doesn't, like, I feel like Callie's team Danielle in this. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a cross. Maybe after Summer House is over, we should all do a kumbaya and see where we we land on well the funny thing is we've been talking you know a little shit about this season of summer house and how it hasn't been great it's gotten a little better but it's like they need to rethink it's like it's not a winner and yet when it got brought up in the group chat it was popping off we were going back and forth we were arguing about who's annoying who's not what we think about kyle like everything it was like it was facilitating some conversation yeah, it's definitely divisive. It was definitely divisive. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, that's all that we have for this week. We have a fun guest next week, so definitely stay tuned for that. And of course, we're going to be breaking down Ken Todd's spill the tea on Vanderpump. So buckle up, Buttercup, because it's only going to get rougher from here. <laughs> Jody, this was fun. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.